Um, so we've been defined by our wins for a long period of time, mm. and we're going to be defined by our losses. And so how we handle ourselves right now is, is the world's watching. And actually, to be honest, the world probably wants us to throw our toys and and be behave like that. We always mm. felt like people were out to maybe get us for something. Um, so I said, hey, look, how we're defined here is, you know, it's who we are as All Blacks. The loss doesn't define us. Um, so heads up, shake the English hands. Let's, let's do that properly. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Live on Bone podcast. This is a space where we explore the stories, secrets, and skills of the world's top performers. I'm your host and high-performance consultant, Steve McDonnell, and we get up close and personal with these people, revealing their secrets to their success, but ultimately in service to helping you bring those lessons and learnings into your life and you know, uncover how you can achieve excellence in whatever it is that you're working towards. So Karen Reed is an absolutely outstanding human being. I was honoured to speak with him and get to know him and to connect with him. And ultimately, this episode is all about his journey and the lessons he's learned along the way. And these are life lessons. They're for all, for everyone. They're not just for sporting athletes. They're for everybody. And, um, you know, some of what we explored from our conversation with Karen is, you know, his journey of captaining the All Blacks and playing 127 tests for them. His transition from rugby to leadership coaching, you know, the All Blacks, what they stand for, what they're all about, the culture, some really, you know, insightful aspects of the culture and what they stand for, the principles that um, that come out in the podcast. One such one is, is All Blacks 24-7, which I'm really excited for you to, to learn more about. And, um, you know, what are the qualities of a good leader, dealing with pressure, you know, all of those things, fatherhood being present, you know, that this goes on, right? So definitely loaded with a lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of good stuff. And once again, you know, Karen is an absolute hero. So hope you enjoy it. Karen, as I said earlier, like I mean, you're a trailblazer, you're a leader, you're world class. You've done it consistently for a hell of a long time, and it's something that um, I totally respect and admire. And I believe all, like every athlete across the world in whatever industry or you know ever sport they play, and and no matter what it is, actually in any field, there's a lot of respect being given to somebody like you that has done it, you know, for that length of time and uh, consistently, and I believe has done it in a very humble way. You know, so I really want to acknowledge that. You know, so, but I think a lot of your character comes from, you know, you know, it it comes from. I mean, suppose your your DNA, I suppose, one part of your nature, but also your nurture is is also key as well. You know, what you learn from. I'm at hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. You learn a lot from that, eh? Yeah, Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do, and you good, bad, and different, right? But you you really absorb a lot, and I'm even seeing that my own kids, and you know yourself, Karen. I've got two young kids there. Ah, yeah. We call it. We call them Irish twins, Karen. There's a year and a bit between ah, them. Yes, There's a year, yeah, fourteen months, and they're young, and they're, they're two and three. Right, like they're two and a half and three and three and a bit, like so. Yeah, yeah. Busy. Oh, I'm nearly out of the real tough <laughs> stage, but toddler stage is tough, mate. <laughs> oh, it's very hard. Geez, very hard. Yeah. Like trying to play sport as, as well as when you're that age, like you know. Yeah, it's it's very hard. Hold yours, can you? Is it three you have? Yeah, I've, I've gone through. I got three years. So yeah, uh, twelve, eleven, and six. So two girls and a boy. So um, cool. had them quite early, which was nice in some ways to have them during the career. But um, you know, yeah, right now they're at a really cool age. So 
yeah, plenty of sport going on and, and things yeah. happening. So it's good. It is a great age, yeah. That that kind of um I think about to say is between four and twelve, four and thirteen. Yeah. Kind of that's that's the sweet spot age after that. The, the, a lot more challenges come as they go into teenager yeah, yeah, years and challenge again, yeah. And before yeah. that, it's just the war zone. So, but um, but look, Karen, I got to quit the question. The question I have is, is related to your younger years because I'm curious about what it was like for you as a as a young kid and in your life then, and what you kind of learned from them or some of your experiences that have yep. really kind of shaped you into the character you are and the person you are today. Oh, on. mate, hey, yeah. yeah um... Yeah, able to reflect a lot over the last wee while, and hundred um, percent, I was lucky. I had a pretty good um, upbringing. Like my parents, um, you know, very, I guess, um, yeah, homely. Uh, a lot of love in the home. Had um, I'm the middle of three boys, so got an old brother who's a couple of years older than me, and younger brother four years younger. So um, yeah, we're a typical Kiwi home. Um, basically, we lived on a cul-de-sac, so it was a dead end street. Um, in oh. South Auckland, um, and so we spent basically every hour of the day outside kicking a ball yeah. around, um, playing cricket, whatever it was, doing anything. And we're when we're kicked outside, basically, you know, and then come in for dinner um, when, when you're called. So um, that was my upbringing. I loved it. It was it was a real. It felt like that was kind of the Kiwi way. Uh, it's changed a little bit now, um, most definitely. But mm. um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and I think. For me, one of the first things, I, I kind of love sports. I love being outside as well, which is great. Uh, my dad would always say he'd always be willing to, you know, come outside and, and throw a ball with me. Or if he, if he couldn't, and I'd be badgering him, and he'd say, mate, if you want to get better at something, you go out in here and practice it. Go um, throw a ball against the wall for 100 yeah. times or, yeah. or hit, the, hit the ball or shoot the baskets. Do it 100 times. And, and you know, for me, it wasn't. Um, work it was just fun you know I just enjoyed yeah. it but it kind of instilled a bit of that whole uh, work ethic um, which I think I, I had from a very young age um, to work for something um, and then probably also my my older brother had a big impact on me and kind of in terms of my drive my competitiveness my grit yeah. to kind of keep competing um, I'm not sure most you know younger siblings always try and compete with older siblings and and, you know, we went too far apart in age. So, like, I wanted to, yeah, compete with him outside. And obviously, he's a bit bigger than me, so he could kind of beat me up. So, I had to be pretty skillful yeah. and a bit um, more cunning, it's hard to, Yeah. yeah. It's hard to picture anyone bigger than you, Karen. You know, it's hard to picture someone bigger than you, but I suppose at that age, you're still growing, right? So, well, that age, you caught him in the end, I imagine. Yeah. yeah, 100%. So, like, in, um, yeah, so I guess my role then was to try and really test myself. I think I enjoyed that. And as I kind of came up through the eight, through the grades a bit and got a bit older, um, and Gareth, his older brother, you know, they had someone out of the team, I'd end up playing in his team, you know, like um, as well, just to fill in. And um, so ended up playing against older kids and um, I guess, you know, testing myself in that way. So um, those kind of things in terms of really creating a, a strong drive and a strong work ethic in me early on, I think I had a pretty... Um, you know, shaped in that in that whole childhood space. Yeah, I think that that's when you reflect back that, that the work ethic and having those siblings close to you is kind of you you had a platform to challenge and to challenge yourself yeah. and challenge them. So when you came when you came to competing in rugby or whatever in cricket, I know cricket was, yeah. was, was important to you as well. You were already competing, you know, as part of your DNA. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it was yeah. it was hundred percent having that older brother to, to compete with and um 
and uh, work work hard against it. And not always, you know, it wasn't always winning. You know, like obviously, plenty of times I got beat up by him a lot. Yeah. You know, in the backyard as you do. Um, but I always wanted to try and just test myself out. And I think that progressed to like when I played, you know, rugby. It was the case of I wasn't the biggest guy. I was um, quite a skinny guy and i lived in south auckland which is quite a high proportion of uh polynesian mm. um so yeah I, I love tackling the biggest guy in the opposition and generally it's the um yeah the biggest samoan tongan fijian whoever it was who was uh running at me but i was i'd put my hand up in my team so yep i want to do that so always wanted to test myself always had that kind of drive to try and um you know put myself out there and in that space and in, in a sports space and um yeah, compete really yeah. hard. So you always wanted to jack, tackle the biggest guy or put yourself in a position to, you know, maybe make a sacrifice for the team or where yeah. like where, where did that come from? Where is that? I know you mentioned your brother and stuff. Is there, is there yeah. something deeper than that? Yeah, look, I think it's, well, no, I think that's, he, he, it was, it's in there, I guess. There's, there's something inside me that wanted me to compete, um, but also wanted to to test myself. I wanted to see how, how good I could be, I guess, in, in that mm-hmm. space and, um and sometimes too maybe it made me feel good because i could look around the team and you know some guys weren't putting their hands up um or a lot of people were um and you know maybe from for myself um you know back then it was a case of hey look i can i can do this for the team it it can you know because i wasn't a i was pretty shy kid i wasn't you know loud or, or didn't talk too much but like on a rugby field or a cricket field i could let my actions do the talking and and that's kind of how you, I grew my own confidence. Um, was was kind of out on the field, you know, not um, away from it. So yeah. um, I think that probably had a part to play too. Yeah, no, it's good, good stuff, Karen. And like living in New Zealand and playing rugby in New Zealand and being a young boy in New Zealand, I would imagine the All Blacks was always something that that you were striving yeah. for, and that you kind of had, had as a as a vision for yourself. Oh mate, yeah, I guess you know it's a dream, isn't it? I, I think yeah. most Kiwi boys and um, when I was growing up, and you know, the All Blacks was just this huge team that um, he dreamt of of playing for. Um, and so I guess over time that maybe got a bit closer, but I never thought I'd get anywhere near um, the All Blacks. If you know what I mean, I was in yeah. a small area of, of Auckland. Um, I went to a high school that was just a co-ed school it wasn't a big rugby school um so we had two thousand kids in our school so a co-ed school um, big school but we literally scraped together our rugby team one rugby team it wasn't a sporting school it was not even an art school or academic school it was just kind of um cool. yeah it was like, just, that, a, yeah. just one of those state schools that you, you have and um you know so like, yeah i had a lot i had a lot of fun there and enjoyment but there was no pathway you know there was no um, there's no guys in front of me who had gone on to play any kind of sport or any kind of um, rugby teams professionally anywhere. So I couldn't see a pathway at that age. Um, but I had this, I didn't have a dream. 100% I had this dream and had enough good people around me to try and um, help me in, in certain ways, um, I guess, and, and build myself up to try and give myself a chance um, to, to get where you need to. Uh, yeah. Funny story, I guess, when I was a bit younger, when I was about, probably about 10 or 11, I think, um, and I was competing against a few guys a few years older than me as well. But it was a it was weight-restricted um, um, team for county. So I went to this trial for counties, Manukau, which was my local area. 
Um, and so went to this trial and on the way there, dad said, oh, look, if you make the team, I'll buy your All Blacks jersey. And um, he didn't know how motivating that was for myself. Yeah, yeah that's the motivation. To... <laughs> I didn't think he thought I was going to make the team because they're quite expensive, you know, like you buy a, a jersey, um, you know, they're quite expensive and they were back then, um, you know, but I made the team and I was, so I was 10 and I was playing against 12 year olds. And, um, but it was an age, I mean, a weight restricted grade. Um, and so made the team, had to buy me a jersey and that was kind of my yeah. first, oh, yeah, cool. This, um, so I didn't take that off for, a, for a, you know, eight years, <laughs> I guess. Um, you know, so I, I think I had a dream. I always wanted to play, play for the All Blacks, but you know, oh, I wasn't like that one to be. Hey, this is what I'm doing. I loved other sports as well. I loved the enjoyment of what sport gave gave me, um, the social side. Mm. Um, and so probably not till maybe my last year at high school, um, where it kind of um, didn't get serious, serious. But I. I managed through a lot of help and, and some good fortune i made made a new zealand secondary schools team uh which was really unheard of out of in your school, school yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah it was it was quite crazy so i, I put it back on this one PE teacher at school um james fraser is yeah. his name uh he's married to an irish um girl <laughs> now um and uh so he he just took an interest in sport in general he's a PE teacher at school um yeah. You know, like, and he took an interest in me and said, "Hey, look, mate, you've got something here. I think I can help you." Um, so he would come in twice a week, and we just trained like twice a week on a Tuesday, Thursday, an hour, chuck a ball around, not do much. Just, you just yourself, one to one training. So this is the team would only team, do that twice a week. Yeah. So James said, "Look, you need to probably do a little bit more, right?" So he said, "I'll, I'll meet you on a Tuesday, Wednesday morning, seven a.m. Let's meet on the field." Um, you know, in the cold, wet, whatever it was, we'd meet there, um, and we'd he'd allow me to we'd do fitness, we'd do passing, tackling, I'd tackle yeah. him, and do all this extra drills, you know, like um, that I wasn't getting and and at the team trainings yeah. because we just weren't that level of um, of team, you know. So um, yeah, it gave me more confidence really, and made more just gave me, hey, look, this guy believes in me. I want to try and pay him back, I guess. And yeah, yeah, you know, there's no way I was going to try and let him down. Um, so look, I just continued. I obviously got the better that year, and I made a counties, which is our local uh, region province. Uh, made a northern regions team that year, um, which is out of that tournament. And then you make play a national tournament for secondary schools, and I made New Zealand secondary schools. Um, so it was uh, my last year at school. So from there, it just kind of kicked. It just kind of kicked on, yeah. and it kind of meant that rugby was oh my, if I can do that, then man maybe i can um yeah you know but, make this thing a living for me or or whatever it was so yeah belief is very important isn't it like even when someone else believes in you it nearly still is that belief in yourself if if yeah they believe in me but maybe i have something right or even for me when i was playing hurling the sport that i play and i still playing with my, my club team but yep. like i always valued i always got like when i was at my best is when I was given the hardest job, right? So their best player, my job really was to take out their best player, right? mark their best player and yeah. take them out of the game. So when I was given that task, when the management would come to me, Stephen, you have to mark, you know, this this player today. Yeah. And knowing he's their best player, like, and knowing that they trusted me to do it, you know, that, that yeah. gave me the confidence that if, you know, I can, I can, I can mark yeah. this player, I can yeah. do it. I've got all, all the players we have and I'm the one that's been given the role. So, you know, and there's many other situations in my life over time where, you just get somebody believes in you 
and it just triggers that belief in yourself. And when you have that, you can do many yeah. great things, you know. But it's been able to oh, tap man. into that. It's been able to tap into that without anyone telling you that's that's the that's what it that's what it takes. Oh, it does, but it's important. I think you know, there's those key people in your life that have done that for you. I think it's your parents, or, or there's some key mentor or coach. And I, I needed that across my career, as I said, coming from where I came from. Um, like I wasn't, I was a small fish man. I, I like, um, you know, I was a nobody really in the system. Like I went into this New Zealand team, and all the other boys knew each other because I'd been going to camps for the last three years. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and I just come in there as this kind of outsider a little bit. Um, so like I, I felt, you know, it's like that imposter syndrome, you know, I felt like, oh, did I belong here? Um, you know, but hey, I was there and then I had the mindset that while I'm here, I'm going to bloody put in as much effort as I can um, to do it. And I think across, yeah. you know, those key people, I had some awesome coaches and 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 things who instilled that confidence in me, um, which I didn't have in my own ability. Um, and so, as you said, if, if someone can give that to you, it's, you can't just talk it you've got to actually give them actions eh? you know you've got to give them opportunities to feel confident in themselves so what you're talking about is not just telling you you're you're one of the best but putting you up against the best is is showing you hey we we truly do believe in you and you believe in yourself so Mm. um, it's a challenge too karen yeah it's a challenge as well isn't it no then you have a challenge that you need to rise up to you know and when you can get through that challenge you ask the next challenge and you face it face it or fold i think is um yeah yeah i think is that did I, Richard McCoy, I don't know, did I hear that something from him around you, you've challenged you to face it or you, or you fold and I think um, teams can do that I and mean, individuals can do that is to step up and face but also to decide is to, to fold you know so yeah. that's what you don't want and you know I've been involved in teams that have done that unfortunately but also faced it but anyway here circling back right so I, there was a question I wanted to ask related to the All Blacks I mean you know they're one of the it's one of the most renowned teams in in the world for for you know consistently for such a long time and it's just just such an amazing um you, you know the all blacks and what it means like it's just so powerful right so i'm curious about like where did it where when did it start where did it come from where's the what does the all blacks draw on to give it that power that you know what's the foundations of the all blacks like you know when what's the history what's the culture there what's yeah. the oh mate it's it's um you know, like rugby, I, I guess that starts way back in the founding of New Zealand, really. Um, well, the founding in, the, in terms of the the white man's founding, in terms of where we came from. So yeah. the Māori were here, and they're the type of people that um, are tough. They are pretty ruthless in, in, in their actions. And then I guess if you're a European who's come to New Zealand as well, you're, you're pretty tough as well to, to basically get on a boat and sail around the world for four or five months um yeah. you know and turn up here and there's and there's literally just forest and there's nothing here and you've got to make your own life mm. um and so the people who, who i guess you know when it all came together and um you know when new zealand and it kind of the modern new zealand kind of came together it was it was built on people who were who were uncompromising they were tough they worked for each other because they were here by themselves with their family behind um, and so that's ethos of what rugby did. So when I guess rugby arrived um, late on the 19th century, um, man, it, it suited us down to the ground. <laughs> it was a it was an avenue really? to express, and yeah. 
to kind of express who we were and and um it wasn't a case of say in england or wherever or that it's a you know hierarchical sport this sport in new, in new zealand it was for everyone right mm. um didn't matter if you had money no money whatever uh we're all we're all playing it and it's been that case um ever since so um, you know, started probably the All Blacks started, I guess, the originals 1905. I think there was tours up your way earlier, but 1905 is kind of considered the one of the first first tours fought by an All Black team. Um, and then, look, <laughs> the, the amazing thing is, is how successful they were. I think they lost one game, or maybe to Wales, maybe another, maybe two <laughs> across that entire tour of like 30 games or whatever they played yeah. back then. Um, and so that's suddenly your legacy has started pretty strongly. And, and so yeah. by the time I come into the team, you go, so the history and tradition of it, um, of the All Blacks, is one of success, right? Um, and so knowing that, you, you just know you're only a really small part of this whole legacy um, when you're in there. Mm. And so the saying is, and you might have heard it, is that you leave the jersey in a better place yeah. uh, than when you found it, right? So um you know that's that's the key. That's the key. The 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 key isn't. It's your story that you get to write when you're in there. Um, but your stories, we we realise that our story is only this this really tiny part of of the bigger picture of what an all black is, and and we understand that. Hey, once you're an all black, you're always an all black. Um, and for for better or good, or for worse, yeah. you're you're an all black. You know, like something bad happens later in life. You know, something happens and you get into the media. It's not just blah blah blah. It's blah blah blah. Former All Black. You know, yeah. so you're, you're, yeah. you're tarnished with that in a positive way, and also obviously, hey, you you realise that the family you're in is is an important part of um, of being a New Zealander, which is um, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, no, that's you know, you can see there's definitely you know you can see by the All Blacks that there's such um, there's a history that that. You know that that jersey is it's left in a better place, but you can see that the, the people that really have that jersey on drawn the the way you know the people that were there before, you know, and kind of see the play with that 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 inside that that heart, that spirit, nearly, you know. So it's something that that's visible as well from just from looking in, um, and and I, and then there's the like you said, leave the jersey in a better place, which is definitely you know when you hear that, you kind of hear the All Blacks, but then there's another kind of um, phrase: better people make better All Blacks. Which is definitely, uh, you know, when you mm. better people make better rollbacks, yeah, yeah. that that's so powerful. Um, yeah. Like, tell us, like, like I'm, I'm again being involved in sport teams, where from my experience, you might have an exceptionally talented player, but not like maybe not a team player, not yeah. um, you know, actions off the pitch aren't culture you want, yeah. but kind of maybe get a pass because they're just so talented at what they do. So. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Obviously not. With, with the All Blacks, maybe you have. But how, like, what's the... And you you see that as well, Karen. I know where you're working right now in organisations where um, there is some individuals within a team that maybe aren't um, doing things that are, you know, a part of what the culture should yeah. be, right? So it's, 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 how, how could you... How do you... Like, tell us more about some... Like, have you ever been in situations where that has been the case and, and how that has been dealt with? Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Um, the... the... The great thing about New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks and even across the board and our super rugby teams and things now is that um, it's entrenched in our culture to be better people. And yeah. um, 
because everyone talks and everyone knows each other, it's similar to probably what the island rugby setup is now. Um, you just can't progress if you're a bit of a dickhead, really, which is which is that whole thing. No dickheads policy. No dickheads. Uh, the same thing. So essentially, if you're if you put yourself above the team, um, yep, we'll give you a chance. We'll tell you you've got to, but you you won't progress. You won't be able to make it. And so by the time you get to the All Blacks, um, there's not too many people in that space where man, we've got some talented people, and what we want is we want our individuals to be able to express themselves and be who they want to be because that's how you get the most out of them Mm. um but behind that has to be made a really clear team first mentality um you know so that's that's the key thing i think that's the key thing in new zealand rugby across every team and sport um or every grade sorry from school level all the way up is that you play rugby and it's probably one of the only games i feel a lot of one of the only games where it is a purely team team first thing you know yeah. like yeah. From the prop to the wingers the fullbacks um you can't do your role unless they do their role really well so it's it's really ingrained in us as a people as teams um you know and probably going on to the other side of that where you said better people make better all blacks as well so it's going okay how do we ensure that our people are more well-rounded they're not just focus purely on on rugby they you know are great at um going out there and um talking to, to kids sponsors whatever it is um and so he brought in a couple of things when i came into the all blacks and this was kind of like wayne smith graham henry um yeah. steve hansen kind of era that kind of era where yeah. you know we looked at it a bit more deeply right so it's like okay what are a couple of really key things that we can we want to achieve as All Blacks? And that's kind of, one was like All Black 24-7, so understanding that you are an All Black. And so, you know, no matter where you are, that's that's the role you play. Um, so you got to act like that, right? I love that. Can I love that? Kind of, all Blacks 24-7, that's, yeah. that's something, right? And it's, yeah. So, it is, is. Yeah. so once you hear that as a young player, you're like, man, okay, there's a, it's a responsibility, yes, um, but that's why you want to be there, right? And so... And you don't want to let down this whole history tradition. Um, so there's that. There's a they talked about a yes attitude. Um, so essentially, that means um, you know you got to do something that's maybe media or do something. Hey, look, go into that with a real yes attitude. Um, you know, go in that positive. Don't think, mm-hmm. oh, this is just another thing I've got to do. Um, you know, the promos we've got to do. Um, you know, days before games we'll be doing promos, but. You know, if you go in there with bad attitude, it's going to reflect on you on the game the next day. Yeah. So go yeah. in there, hey, look, let's enjoy this, um, get it done, get our work done, move on kind of thing. Um, and then I, I, I mentioned it before, but the ability to express yourself. And so um, when you've got new players or young players performing well, I think you've got your culture set up right. Because it's so overwhelming, you know, as a, yeah. as a new player to come into a, a new team, let any sport but the all blacks is just so huge and people have probably dreamt of playing for the all blacks for so long that if you can allow that person to be calm enough and be in their own space to perform to their ability in the in the first mm. few games um you've set up the culture really well um because it's overwhelming right in the new environments and sometimes you don't truly feel like you can express yourself and, and be who you are so um i think the all blacks have got better at that over um you know, over the years, and they and they still do as as those conversations start to be a bit more um, 
relevant nowadays. Um, but yeah, those are a few things that are really crucial in that space. Love it. Karen saw, and I can res- I really nod in my head and resonating with it all, right? Just given my, my sporting background as well, I can see how all of those stuff would be really valuable. And, you know, even thinking of the different younger guys coming through and like you're always, you always kind of need um, an injection of youth, younger people coming through. You have the the older guys that are um, experienced and that are able to bring years of experience and been through the, you know, the, the dog fights and winning and the losing. And then the people in the middle that are kind of, you know, steady and have that kind of mix of, you know, that youthfulness, but also experience. So you kind of need that, that those three different kind of groups coming together. And and yeah. when you came on, so when you were young coming through, like who was the, like, who were the people that, I wouldn't say took you under their wing, but who were the guys that, you know, you, you looked up to or that kind of gave, like had, were leaders in the culture that enabled you to perform well, as you mentioned earlier. Who were those kind of people and what were they doing? Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, if I got into the Crusaders first, like there was probably Canterbury Crusaders. Um, yeah. I had a couple of guys who were sent, like Mossy Toyoliti, who was a number eight, played for the All Blacks. Uh, Johnny Leo was a senior player at Crusaders, Canterbury. Um, and now Luce Fords as well, who probably were able to connect with um, early on and they connected in a really strong way. Um, and Corey Flynn was another one and yeah. the Crusaders set up and uh, played for the All Blacks World Cup winner um, who was great at connecting with the young guys as well. Um, and then probably in terms of my game and, and things, uh, Richie McCaw, obviously, um, as I Crusader, he was my Crusaders captain when I first arrived, uh, All Blacks captain. Um, and so basically from when I arrived in, you know, on the field and, and, and rugby, um, we were basically inseparable for eight years, I guess, you know, like, so from say by 2008, say, yeah. 2008, 2015, you know, you know what you've got, you, you've got to do all your extras and all this extra training and in the gym, you know, we'd be, we'd buddy up and, and do that. So, you know, initially it was a case of me eyes open as a young guy going shit this is the all black captain here and i'm training all the time and going fire up this is amazing um that's such an opportunity can right that was such an amazing opportunity belief in you was a belief in you too right he obviously saw something in you and yeah exactly um and so yeah and so like i I learned a lot from him around um drive and his desire and um everything really um so yeah, plenty of stuff there, and then and then you kind of in that relationship over time. I guess it gets to the point where you suddenly, oh shit, I can push him as well. I can push him in certain ways, and hmm. you know, I'm potentially um, he's got these skills, I've got these skills, and then we can um, you know work off each other. Um, and so I think that's yeah, hundred percent was I came in and I was, had a was very lucky to have guys that really looked after me, especially in those key positions that were that I was playing in. Um, yeah, so as a, as a, a case, and I, I think especially in the Crusaders, and it, you know, so if I look at say Leinster, I look from afar and I see them, it's probably a team that's similar to Crusaders. Crusaders. Uh, yeah. Um, in terms of for us, it's um, the senior players look after the young guys, and and your legacy as the senior players that it's not your time in the jersey. It's kind of when you leave, it's that next, it's the next guy coming through. If he performs well, then you've done your job basically, you know, so it's, it's, that's it's such not, powerful. Yeah. That's so powerful. It's not I looking after you. just yourself. Eh? It's looking after that next guy. So 
Um, that's how it works. And so it's cyclical, right? You're the young guy and then suddenly you become the older guy. You're passing on your knowledge and mm. everyone picks up more as they go. So suddenly it's it just keeps going So and keeps getting better. Like obviously Crusaders, the more what I, I would imagine club, I suppose rugby teams, Crusaders are the most successful super rugby team in your hemisphere, obviously, but I would, like, when you yeah. pair it all together, there's, what you've achieved has been incredible so just when you say that it's not about your performance it's about the performance of the person coming through behind you is, is what matters most that's really the pinnacle you know what you're striving for in um in yeah. a really strong culture like so but just that that's it's not easy you know it's not easy to have that i mean human nature and competitiveness and yep. 100%. yeah you know that that does come to play like what would you say to people that are listening in that like, how, what advice would you give to senior players or senior people in an organization team that have younger people coming through that part of their yeah. internal self-talk is, I want to give this person everything I know and everything that it takes to be excellent because then they'll take my spot. What would you say to that mindset? Yeah, no, I, I, I feel, yeah, I just, I feel that just that's just a mindset that says no, it doesn't help you and it doesn't help your organization really if you're in that mindset i just think um you know you actually gain more from passing on um because you gain more trust you gain more an ability probably as a senior player or a senior leader in in an organization you gain a chance to utilize guys in a certain way that perhaps you couldn't before so it gives you more time to focus on exactly what you need to nail um and essentially we've got to look at it going okay what is what is our role here, right? Um, and and sport our roles, our team to perform, and business it's our team to perform as well. And obviously, there's certain targets you need to make. Um, and so, what's the best way for that to happen? And so, somewhere along the line, we've got to put our ego and just take it off and put it on the yeah. on the hook. Eh? Um, you know, to, to do that, uh, which is challenging, um, but that is the way to to go forward. Um, and you know, you be the one first, right? The yeah. the young guy, the, the the junior player is not going to be the one to to come up first and ask for help or whatever it is. So you you showing a bit of vulnerability, you showing a, a case of, hey, look, um, I don't have all the answers. I'm sure you've got some answers to help me, but I'll help you on your way forward, and um, you'll get such such great rapport out of that yeah. um, and better connection. Yeah. No, I mean it's. The best way to live is to elevate other people and to be involved in a community, a tribe, a team where that's what everyone does. And if that's the case, then you're there's not much else needs to be done. You got to just keep going forward. So it's it's brilliant yeah. that you say that. And yeah, the so what's it like to win the World Cup here? <laughs> what's that like? What's that? As um, you know, when that final whistle blows, you know, yeah. I know there's a sense of relief, maybe whatever it is. But if you can cash in my bag. 2011, what was that like? Yep. Oh, 2011 was pretty crazy. Um, it was a mixture of every, all emotions, really, like a lot of relief. Like context of 2011 for the All Blacks was we hadn't won it since 87, um, 24 years earlier. Um, and that was at home as well. And I, I guess, you know, as you said, we'd still been the, perhaps the best team in the world over those 24 years, but literally hadn't won a World Cup, you know, kind of come up and choked or whatever you'd call it hadn't quite nailed it right so it took a lot of lessons for us to get there um and playing at home again in 2011 man 
Sarah, Jesus, the country was just crazy, man. Like every letterbox is <laughs> painted black, you know, like everyone's, yeah. there's thousands of people out coming to your hotel that wouldn't normally happen. It just wouldn't happen in New Zealand that way. But in the World Cup, it was just crazy. Um, and so, man, there's pressure enough for a gen- normal test match to win, let alone a World Cup at home, you know, a final France, who's kind of our nemesis and yeah, yeah. World Cups a little bit. Um, yeah, so it was it was epic, plus all the injuries and things that we had to deal with um, in that 2011 World Cup. So I think I was still youngish, I guess. Like I was 26. I oh, turned 26, I think, that tournament. Um, so like I wasn't a senior player. I wasn't didn't have all the responsibilities of that um, on my shoulders um, then. Um, so I could probably just enjoy it a bit more than some of the older guys, as I realised a bit in the next couple of editions. Um, that's slightly yeah. different. But, you know, like, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. And then obviously to do it again in, in 2015, and, and that was different because we had a team that went five years, only losing four games across five years, basically. Um, you know, like 2011 and 15. Yeah. Um and Ireland was one of those games, Ken, right? Was it Ireland BG? Oh, was they beat us. Nah, 2016, they beat us. So they 2016, stopped no. us from, yeah, they won the first time, 2016. Yeah. You were ca- Ken, you were captain there? Yeah, I kept the yeah. day, mate. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. We got my green on, as you said earlier. Yeah, 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 I got you. I got you. Nah, so that was, honestly, like, that was, Mate, everything probably pointed to an island victory that week, potentially, uh, if you yeah, look yeah. at it as a whole, you know, like the Cubs, Chicago Cubs broke a hundred and whatever year drought for winning the World Series. Um, obviously, the um, uh, Munster coach um, who passed away, Anthony Foley, yeah. Anthony Foley yeah. um, uh, we had some other stuff go down our side. But yeah, look, mate, there's some pretty big lessons out of that um, as a leader. Um, because we'd played, we'd won 19 in a row or something, or I don't know what it was, 18 in a row tests. Um, so I came in 2016 as captain, and we like, we lost so much experience, and everyone was like, "Man, you lost yeah. Richie McCaw, that car, Conrad Smith, Kevin Yalamu, um, Nonu, like these big, big test All Blacks. Like yeah. we lost like amazing experience, and we went on. We lost that one game, I think, that year. Like so, we won." our first 10 in a row that and which wasn't probably expected and as a captain it was you know it was probably needed you needed to because a lot of young guys were coming into test match rugby and we're playing pretty good footy and getting good results but that's not necessarily how it it's always is so um yeah maybe it was a case of just bringing us back down to earth which um but still pretty proud of how we could create an environment where um we could yeah, have success straight away um, with, a, with a new team. Yeah, so. sorry, sorry. How did you deal with, um, like, losing such big, big players in the team? You know, and how did, how did the, you know, when, the, when those players left, like, yeah. the, the grieving of that, like, you know, and how did you actually overcome that and then move forward and have, you nearly have a new team, right, kind of moving forward? Yeah, it is. It is, it is a new team. And most, you know, you know what it's like in sports teams, eh? Like, yeah. Even every year, there's always new guys come in, few guys leave. So it's always a new, different team, right? You never have the same team every year. So, but especially when you lose a big chunk of experience. Um, I know Steve Hansen always used to say, like, 
you know, you chop down the the giant Cody trees, the big trees, then the little trees get more light and get, and then they can thrive, you know, like and yeah, yeah. they can grow. So a lot of the guys who are behind those experienced guys, we're obviously looking forward to hopefully playing some more rugby, um, starting games. Um, and I guess for me in that position right then, it was a case of, like, I was lucky I was experienced. I was 30 years old at the time, um, played 80 tests or something. Um and had captained the All Blacks before 12, 12 times. So mm. I, I was experienced. I knew I'd be myself, and I knew I was confident in my own ability to to do that, um, which was different to what Richie had done and, and different to what the team had been like. Um, and so it was really a, a case of welcoming in this new kind of era of what, I guess, sports people are now, which is, um, yeah, more different. It's different in terms of people's identity and how people are, are looking after themselves. So... Um, I pride myself on my connection piece. I've been able to really understand each and every one of my team um, and looking after them, right? Um, and yeah. also, you know, then, but you guys swing that to being at a high performance environment where you've got to be demanding and have accountability on, on your actions. So I'm um, just getting that really right. And I think the mix there, I felt we kind of, you know, got in a pretty good space early on. Thanks, Karen. And, and, having that vision as a young boy or, you know, when you're going through your school and kind of getting that call up, which was unheard yeah. of, you know, and then, you know, getting the all black jersey from your father. Yeah. Amazing. You know, yeah. and then you, you captain the the team. So like, I mean, that's, that's something, right? That's, you know, yeah, you actually have the captain's jersey, you know, that you're wearing on your back and you're leading the team. Like that, that's yeah, a journey. That's a story. Yeah. Bringing up really some goosebumps right now, to be honest, you know, yeah. so it is, it is. It, um, there's no way as a young kid I would have thought I'd be there or, or do that, you know, like it was a dream and that's all it was. So, um, and no way captain at all. So um, you learn, experience really helps. And I obviously had some stuff in me and I've just got some great lessons across the years that gave me an ability to um, hopefully have done done my job really well when I did get that captaincy as All Blacks. So, mm. um like until I was named officially captain, you didn't quite realize the importance of it. You know, looking at Richie and man, he used to, you know, he was, you know, you have to be slightly different, I guess, when you're captain. Um, and that's the nature of it. You don't want to change who you are per se, but there's different pressures, right? Um, it's different and I pressures. Didn't quite, yeah. I didn't the way it comes with a can, right? It, it's a, it's, yeah, and it does, which is great. You know? you know, that's how it should be. But until I actually was full time captain, because I captained the team 12 times, different series here and there. Um, but yeah, once you get that, suddenly there's this massive weight and you go, shit, I've got 5 million people on my shoulders and, you know, like, um, you wanted to get everything right. Um, and so, yeah, you, you carry that around. I think that's a, it's, it's pretty special to have realizing that position you can be in. Um, but you have to make sure that you do, um, have some good structure to help you deal with it. Um, you know, cause it, it can overwhelm you, I'm sure. Well, so, so I'd like to come back to maybe the structure piece, Karen, but what were some of the lessons? You said that you learned lessons over time that helped you kind of continue on your journey and, and be a good captain, you know, taking those lessons in. Like, What were some of the key lessons, one or two of the kind of really important lessons that you're, when you reflect on? Oh, I think early on, like, to be my authentic self was, was one. Um, so really understanding who you are, I think it's the important. That's the first thing in anything I do now of leaders. It's like, man, you just got to, you've got to, 
be you. Um, and, who, I, and, Ken, who, and who's that, right? So I, I'm sorry to cut across because I, I don't want to miss this opportunity to ask the question, right? But like, yeah, yeah. who's Ken, who's Karen Reed? Like, who's Karen Reed? Oh, look, mate. Yeah. Um, look, look, Karen Reed, someone who who's got a strong work ethic. I think I'm, I am a do it kind of action based leader um, who like loves respect. So he wants to have. He's going to respect um, the situation. He's going to respect um, what's coming up um, for him, but he'll want that coming back to him as well um, from people. Um, and look, he's a hard worker, um, and that's that's who I am. I'm, I'm not someone to be out there and be bullshit and be everything, um, you know. But perhaps when I was a, a young captain, I was captain Canterbury at 22 our NPC team, which I was surprised at being named, but one of those coaches who was, you know, okay, here's an opportunity mm. to, to grow me. Um, and I, I tried to be that captain that gave big speeches and things, and I thought that's what it was. Um, I had experienced guys around me, didn't quite know how to use them. So the key for me was, yeah, be authentically you. Um, and my leadership then was to put an arm around a guy or talk to someone at training, you know, one-on-one or in the showers or in the changing shed. Yeah. It wasn't to get up in front of a team and, and try and deliver that stuff. It was connecting on a more personal personal level um, and I could use senior players to to deliver the, whatever needed to be delivered to the team in a certain way. Mm. So, yeah, it was authentically be me and then uh, utilise your team, I think. Um, so get to know what strengths there are around you um, is crucial. Um, so they're probably the two main ones. Um, and there's obviously heaps, well, quite a few others, but I yeah. think those are great lessons that I learned um, that that helped you. Yeah. So when it comes to captaincy and the, I would imagine all blacks captain, you know, of New Zealand, is that, I mean, you, you have, it's probably a few positions in New Zealand that have higher, um, pressure than than that, yeah. right? So you mentioned um, the structure and the importance of having a good structure support around you. Like, can you tell me more about, I suppose, the challenges or the weight that was there and, and maybe the structure and support that you had or kind of that over time you leaned on maybe a little bit more? Um, yep. Yeah. yeah, look, so I think um, as any leader in any organisation or, you know, your owner or whatever it is, it's hard not to carry things home outside of work yeah um in your mind obviously it's there it's constantly there right so but to be honest is that helping no it's not it's not helping anyone it's not helping you it's not helping the people around you um you know going home to your family and, and you're thinking about work or for me thinking about the game it's not helping um anyone really so there's time for that um there's time for you to, to work on those things and but then there's time to switch off and get balanced right so uh, really worked with kind of our sports uh, mental skills guy Gilbert Anoka, um, yeah. who'd been across my whole career as you know brilliant man, um, and just helped me really structure it. And like, you know, if I went back to my say we're on tour, if I went back to my hotel room, I'd, I'd remunerate about it all and kind of think about it, and which is fine. And I had to have some time to do that and go, okay, what did I do well here? What could I set different? Okay, tomorrow we could do this. Mm. And you talk to coaches about sweet. Yep. Okay. Done that. If 
I don't need to be thinking about that all the time. So structuring a bit of time, whether that was cars with the lads, go down and have a coffee or like yeah. something, um, out for dinner a couple of times a week, just to get your mind away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably when I was home and in Christchurch, it was, okay, I've, I've got young kids at this time. Um, you know, it's important that when you're here, you're present, right? It's and yeah. present being you're, you're fully focused and in, in on them. So, um, helped me at home it helped me you know as the leader too because you actually have got enough information right and everyone does generally you've got enough information um that when you do need to make a decision you can make it based on all that stuff that you've got in your head but it can be a bit more instinctual and i think that those decisions when they're made a bit more instinct um backed off all that information stuff that you've got i think you make better decisions um as leaders yeah that's no, a good point karen and gilbert and okay you mentioned like, what was what, what did he um what was some of the work that he did with with the team karen with the allbacks i mean his name is obviously you know thrown about in a very important way of his role in the allbacks still to, to yeah. this day you know yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so he's just finished up um you know he's done 20 years um with the allbacks you know yeah. so um it, it, in some ways he's the glue he's kind of ahead of his time back in the day before mental skills was even mm-hmm. talked about um and probably the all blacks were the first to maybe incorporate that in terms of rugby um that probably gave us that leg up initially in this whole new professional environment where a lot of teams have got there now um and so basically it's an understanding i guess that um really under pressure in any situation where a big test match your brain's going to behave differently um okay how do we best make sure it's in the best state for you to make a really clear current decision and be able to do your role the best that you need to perform at your best right um and so that was his role and it required certain things like um you know he'd do a session a week with the team um and he'd be there for one-on-one sessions and and things to help out guys and certain things. So uh, I could lean on him quite a bit, um, but he'd he'd be the glue between, say, the coach and and the team as well. Yeah, so you can performance coach into some to some way, right? Yeah. Kind of come yeah, in yeah. to support performance yeah. skills. Yeah, and very important. Yeah, very important to have someone someone like that. Um, you know, so but you kind of referenced twenty eleven. Then you got 2015. They're obviously magic, magical days as an all back, and you you were captain and you've captained the the team. But what about some of the harder days? What was the when you reflect back one of the toughest days or the toughest day in in, in the all blacks jersey? What was one that stands out more than yeah. anyone any other? Oh, mate, this is one most definitely um, my second to last game. It was 2019 World Cup um, semi final against England so yeah I uh, obviously lost that game um to England which w- was you know obviously very tough um yeah when you you know I was looking obviously they got this goal four years you know captain you're building up to a world cup you, you put so much into that um and you know there's a number of a couple of us who could go three three world cups in a row obviously that's and our team was wanting to be the most dominant in the decade across that across that period 
Um, so, you know, all that stuff really. And, and then, so that was a tough, tough day. Um, looking back now, it's, it's kind of been, you know, what I'm doing now, it, it's, you know, you go, wow, it's, it's given me some great lessons and, and great learnings. Um, but definitely then I felt I handled it quite well too, because, um, you know, that was the worst I felt after a rugby game. Um, and yet, I also knew I was the leader. I knew that's everyone's looking at me and in the, in the team, right? So, yeah, okay, bring them into a huddle, um, and keep us tight. And so, essentially, I said, "Boys, you know, that's this isn't." Um, so we're being defined by our wins for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and we're going to be defined by our losses. And so, how we handle ourselves right now is, is the world's watching. And actually, to be honest, the world probably wants us to throw our toys and and be behave like that. We always mm. felt like people were out, out to maybe get us for something. Um, so I said, hey, look, how we're defined here is, you know, it's who we are as All Blacks. The loss doesn't define us. Um, so heads up, shake the English hands. Let's, let's do that properly. Um, and so I did that, um, holding it together, you know, and then you get in the shed and then, then the real emotion kind of comes out. Um, yeah. You know, so plenty of tears and plenty of, you know, heartbreak mm. across the whole shed, but, um, and from myself as well. But you be real, you know, and you understand um, that that's what sport's like. Um, so I, I just hope that the boys would have, you know, I, I said to them, hey, look, use this in four years' time. And they got to four years just now and they got so close to, you know, oh, they did. Jeez, yeah. To using that hurt to maybe mm. get in another victory, but, um, hey, it's it's sport. So um, I think they did learn some lessons. A lot of the guys who get got to keep going, and um, they'll learn some more, I guess, out of this one, and um, and have another crack in four years' time. So that was the yeah. toughest one. But it's not just that; it wasn't just the game. It's about you then got it. We had a third, fourth playoff, which is quite a strange game to play in. Um, and so for the first few days, you're kind of just in the days and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, putting on a bit of a brave face for the team at the start of the week and then going back to your hotel room and crying and going, man, this is not what I thought I was I thought yeah. I was preparing for a final this and, week. Yeah, and you knew you, like, you, know? so, you, yeah. you knew you were going into last year, like you knew this was going to be your... Oh, yeah, I knew it was my last year. year. There's no way. Yeah. My body was basically wrecked. It was pretty wrecked. Um, so that's an added kind of your captain, you know... Oh, I knew also, it was going to be my last... You know it's going to be your last year. Not that... Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, I ever, I didn't care about it being my last time or anything. You know, like in terms of during the World Cup, that wasn't in my thoughts. I wasn't thinking about myself. Um, I was all the team, you know. But I guess when you do finally the fin- finality of it, um, and it hits you, and then it hits you. Um, so in, in fact, going into a third, fourth playoff, I said to the lads before the game, I was like, well, and I was in my own head, had to say to myself and get myself back up. I get one last chance to put on this all black jersey, right? And so, one last chance to add to the, add to my story. Um, and it's every time you pull on the jersey is amazing. Um, and so that's essentially how we framed it for us. And the guys, you know, get to pull it on one one more one mm. more time. You know, the guys who are leaving and then um, the guys who are carrying on. So um, we, um, yeah, I. By the end of the week, I was able to enjoy the enjoy the game, and obviously not the game you want to be involved in. But mm. I think it showed that we handled it reasonably well because we put on a pretty good performance and um, could, yeah, hold hold your head up head up high um, by the end of it. 
Yeah. And uh, you took off the jersey, Karen, after the game, you know? And, uh, you know, that must have been emotional or, you know, kind of, you know, did you feel less sense of emotion or was it kind of, what was your overarching <laughs> feeling? Um, oh, look, no, I was, yeah, I, it wasn't, I think I'd let out a lot of emotions the week before. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I, I, you know, it was tough saying goodbye to the all the guys. You know, that's the thing that I, out of everything across my career, if you look at it, it's not really the wins. And, and yes, it, that's all nice and that's what you strive for. But the thing I remember the most is the friendships, the, the silly things that we did on tour or different things that have happened and yeah. the guys I catch up with, you know. like So that's that's the bit that are in my memories. Um you know, really clear rather than say, you know, all the wins and things. So there's the thing that probably hit me the most. And I think still now, you know, and that's probably the thing I miss. I don't miss anything about the game in terms of preparing or contact with training. Yeah. Um, but I miss the, I miss the connection, eh? The camaraderie yeah. of it. Turn up and have a laugh. Yeah. yeah. I resonate so much with that, you know, you kind of, yeah. The jury, you, you, it's, forged in connectedness around the pressure, the journey, the shared yep. um, going to war together and having each other's backs. Like, you know, you can't, you, you leave that behind and it's kind of, it, yep. can't, it can't be replicated really, you know, it's kind of, that's. Yeah. It's no, reality, no, I can't. And you know? I don't think you need, you shouldn't. And for any person I said, don't try and replicate it because you won't find it and you'll just be, you know, be chasing something that's yeah. not going to be good for your mental state. So look, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. So, um, something that's different now, right? So it's all good. Yeah, would you would you stay in touch with, with uh, much of the, much of the team, or much of the lads? Karen, that you would have you would have played with, that you would have yeah, journeyed with over like, the years. Just, would you keep in touch much? Yeah, you keep in touch, but I guess like most people, young kids coming on, families, and so I'm probably in connection mostly with the guys here in Christchurch, other than Christchurch. So. Um, you know, the guy's probably my age and our wives get on quite well. So like Andy Ellis, kind of yes. Luke Romano, Sam Whitelock. Um, yeah, those guys probably um, are more so. Like we're really connected and you catch up quite often. And then the other guys, yeah. yeah. Um, when you see them, it's, it's you know, Pretty back good. to usual days, yeah. which is great. Yeah, yeah back um, to, yeah. I get it, yeah. As, as you need to, yeah. You'd be surprised you spend so much time with those people and then it's over and you kind of the years yeah. go by and you're like, geez, I haven't seen Yeah, yeah. You know? It's kind of but you still when you see them, it's just like nothing has changed. Yep, hundred percent. Which is great. Yeah. Which is awesome, eh? It's a great thing about sport. Yeah. So yeah. so Karen, when you um when you look ahead then, right? So you've you've kind of I suppose I, I know you went to Japan for a year. That was Obviously, before, yeah, that was an interesting year, Karen. Was it like that was after that was 20, was 2019, 2020? And... Uh, 2020, yeah, 2020 yeah. and 2021. So I kind of, I got cut short of COVID initially. <clears throat> um, so I came back to New Zealand with the family. So I was supposed to be up there with the family yeah. for 18 months, but didn't quite happen. So I spent a bit of time up there by myself, had seven months by myself the second season. Yeah. yeah. Um, was, so it was, was... it was hard and it was quite, um, Quite Young kids enough. as well, yeah, yeah, without the kids, um, and more because it was still restricted up there. Literally, I could go to train and then had to drive home and couldn't even socialize with the other guys, the teammates, and things. So, that was, um, it was a tough period, yeah, yeah, it was tough. Um, 
but that's what the world was going through, right? Um, and so I was fortunate in some ways to, it was a nice transition out of the game. Um, Japan's awesome. It's a great country, um, great people, good food. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that because it just suddenly, you imagine going and playing captain in your blacks and then kind of next week you're playing for a Toyota and Japan club rugby. It's, she's a bit of a step down, <clears throat> but more so mentally, it was just great. I was able to just kind of let everything go and you could just enjoy the game for what it was again, which had, it'd been a long time since I've been doing that. So um, it was nice, a nice way to kind of yeah. exit my way out of, out of the game um, and prepare myself for, um, for what I'm doing now. So tell us more about what you do now, Karen. Yes, yeah, so I, it's, um, you know, I don't know what you call it really, a leadership coach or um, performance coach <laughs> where, you know, I go into businesses and corporates and, and, and look after their, their teams, right? Talk to them about high performance, which for me, um, the pillars of high performance are, are leadership, um, teamwork and getting culture right. Yep. And so those are the things that I've picked up over my career. I've studied in Japan. I was lucky to study a bit of that um my career and then look at um the positives and and lessons that i've taken from that um and so yeah it's it's really enjoyable you know like hitting those um different businesses corporates because it's different every time um but so transferable from sport into into those different organizations um and finding it's working really well um and so yeah it's great because it's it's on my own terms it's running it myself so yeah kieranreed.co.nz yeah. Um, do you want to get in touch um, or on LinkedIn? Um, hit me up. All good. Yeah. Brilliant, Karen. I put all that into the into the into the show notes, right? And um, you've got a program as well for captains. That's 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 very good. I done it myself, so yep. it's really some really sharp, concise, um, to the point lessons in there that you know you can just take on and some prompts as well that you can take into the team, right? So like that's for captains of sport teams, but it's actually not. It's for leaders of any any team ultimately there's definitely nuggets in there that are very powerful so definitely want to put that in there as well yep. but Karen you know when you um when you think about the like when you I suppose the, the message I have is, is actually centered on something that I think is unique to the All Blacks obviously for, for many ways but gives you such an edge and I know I'm sucking back a bit here but you know the hacker that is something that everyone just is really drawn to. But could you tell us about kind of what the hacker represents, what it means? Like, you know, what's that? What, what, like, how, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you actually cohesively come together in the way you do for the hacker? And like, that must give you such an edge before the game starts bringing so together. And like, I mean, you don't have, like, I mean, you don't have that now, right? But well, can you tell us what yep. the experiences when you had it? Yeah. Hey, look, mate. So, um, I, I guess a hacker is part of us as New Zealanders, um, like say so the Māori people, um, traditionally would do haka, um, say pre-fights, right? As I said, they're pretty brutal. Like they had their tribes and that haka um, kind of leaving to go to war or um, kind of when they came home. Um, it was, and so look, it's kind of been part of us for a long time. Um, and New Zealand culture, and I think it's brilliant. And I think the key thing is, is that um, the thing with haka that when it's done properly, you're not. Um, it's not about intimidation. It's not about presenting anything to the opposition, or it's it's about yourselves. 
Uh, it's about who you are. So that's what haka yeah. was. It was, as I said, it was done in your own village before you even left to go to the to the fight. Sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. so. Um, it's about drawing your ancestors of that place. Um, so, as All Blacks, you know, it could be yeah your, your personal ancestors, um, but also the All Blacks who have gone before us. Um, and it's also about connecting to the person either side of you. Um, so you'll see when we do the actions, we 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 look at where they're coming from, right? So we look into yeah, yeah. to that guy to to my left and my right. And in the last few years, we've done a niho, which is a shark's tooth, which in Maori culture is the most powerful uh, shape. So it's basically you know a triangle. Um, mm. And so you'll see through fare and 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 um, Maori houses uh, that shape is is part of basically interwoven into their into the house into the pattern into how they decorate um, because it's a, the most powerful kind of shape that they use so um, that's where that all comes from and then so for us we want to respect that uh, respect that culture and do it right so um, yep we we make sure we practice um, we understand exactly what it all means what the meaning behind it is um, and then it takes time um, to get it right and get in sync and, and do it with the respect that it deserves. Yeah, and um, like you've led the Africa, and you led the you were one of the leaders of the Haka, right? And what's the criteria for being the leader, right? That's that's a very yeah powerful position. Um, yeah, it is. But I guess um, as I became captain, and I guess over the years, I kind of grow and like I wasn't strong on multicultural when I grew up, but the um a few hackers and things watch your backs, I guess. Um, but over my years, I've, I've really um, learned a lot and grown from it. And I guess to be the kaya, it's called, if you're the caller of the haka. Um, you know, Māori, being Māori is probably not a prerequisite, but it's certainly one of the ones that, you know, people are, are more comfortable when, when you've grown up with kapa haka. Um, but yeah, it's, it's someone who's respected and an and elder who can lead the haka. Um, so Richie's leader on occasion um, as well. Um, Kevin Mialamu, who's um, Samoan, um, has led it. So you don't have to be yeah. to, to lead the haka. Um, so man, when it kind of came up, I worked with TJ Pedinara for a while. And, um, and the other um, guys we get in to help us. So yeah, it was pretty special moment i really um yeah felt truly honored to, to be able to do that yeah no congratulations karen for being given that honor and i suppose the honor captain as well aaron smith did it pretty pretty powerful as well um in the world cup gone by yep you know he was he was pretty inspiring when he when he led the team through it and it was his last year as well yeah. as, as an all back so it was um you know i was rooting for him and rooting for the team knowing that yeah. i suppose so so yeah so it's the hack is a brilliant thing so so, Karen, just one or two more questions, right? So, what's the now you're, I suppose, now you've moved away from the All Blacks and rugby. What's the best advice can you received when you retired or when you stepped away? Was there somebody that gave a really memorable advice? And who were they? What did they say? Or it's kind of their theme around what people really shared? Um, I think I'm not sure who it was actually, but I think the best thing I got was to take my time, um, yeah. really. And, and, um, Obviously, I kind of came out in a different way of coming from Japan to come back. Um, but, yeah, it was a case of, yeah, don't 
say you have to do this and and go straight into it um take if you can afford to take a bit of time to try and figure out what you, what you enjoy um to do then then do that um so not just rush into something and, and say that's my job for the next 30 years or whatever um yeah take your time to kind of figure it out if that's doing a bit of work experience or doing a bit more study or whatever it is um then do that so um yeah that's probably the best advice i i had and i think that really helped me it allowed me to kind of set myself up in in this new role without kind of rushing into it mm. yeah well, that's, that's good and you kind of have more space as well to be the best father you can be to to your family and the best parent you can be as well so what does i suppose what's the best father you could be here what does that look like what's what's what makes a good father um you know? yeah man. like if i look back on, on my own dad um he was just present right he was there he, he present would yeah. drive me to every game i was involved in and i know most dads probably want to talk to you about the game on the ride home right yeah <laughs> Yeah, how it is. But so my dad never, he never did, he never did. He just really be yeah. quiet and just, you know, like, and I respected that. I felt he was there. That's all I needed. Um, and he didn't, you know, he watched the game, but he was not an expert per se. Um, and so now my kids, are, I think, just being, for me, it's been present there for them. I think it's the, it's the key thing. Um, and, and I think that's truly being present, like, not just being there. Like, if we're at home, like we're on our phones, whatever it is as parents yeah. now, which, yeah. you know, and that's the way of the world. And so what we're doing is we're just showing them, we might be telling them, we're telling them to get off their iPads, yet we're on our phones. So yeah. um, I, I, for me, it's just going, okay, but what's the best way I can influence I can have on them? And that's being there, um, but being truly present with them. So, um, and I, I, I love, so sport's a big part of my life and it's, big part of my kids life um and i haven't pushed them in that but they all into it doing a couple of sports in summer a couple of sports in winter um yeah. which is i love and i Brilliant. just love being on the sidelines and, and watching them play so um yeah it's it's a lot of fun i've got to keep my mouth shut sometimes on that ride home <laughs> yeah it's hard to uh but it must be hard okay, right? about, yeah i talk about hockey and netball as well i'm an experienced player but i got i know nothing about it but <laughs> you know, well, you you can you know about competing and you know about yeah, yeah, that's no, so good, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's there's a balance, isn't there? Of kind of what's the there's a balance of what's the right thing to say in the right moment. I suppose ultimately, the probably the less you do speak, the better. As as your father did for you, like oh, that's what when oh, you I did. Just, yeah. I just feel you know, kids kids want you want their support, right? They want you to feel that you're there and and you support them. Um, yeah, and like so, I'll I'll say to my kids if we go out, so we got, you know, we'll go down to the tennis court, um, and they'll bring a piece of sporting equipment each, you know, whatever it is, basketball and tennis rackets or something else. And, um, I always say to them, look, if you're out here doing it, then you're having fun, which is the most important thing, and mm -hmm. but also you're actually getting better every time you're just chucking a ball around or outside doing something, whatever it is, you're getting better at at sport or. or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Mm. So I always talk to them about that. So essentially the keys for them and sports side, it's have fun and, and learn and mm. you learn by doing. Um, and yep. so we probably don't have as much of that now. And, and that's challenge is kids aren't outside as much and they're doing different things, but um, 
yeah, giving them the opportunities. And, and because I think they like being with dad now, it's like, well, man, I've got to go up there and, and chuck the ball around with them too, which is which is all good. But it just means I've got to give the time up and, to do that. So it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no better way to use your time, Karen, you know? So, Karen, exactly. I, I always kind of finish up with two questions. So, first one, what scares you? Um, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not too much, really. I, I think loss, probably, if I, if, you know, like, yeah, probably loss of someone close to me would be the yeah. probably the biggest one. But I wouldn't say it scares me because I don't think about it. But if I, if I was made to think about something, that would be it. Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. That's the God, but it's true up. And the last one, if they're, if you're, if you, your 70 year old self, right? Cast your mind forward. A 70 year old self walks through the door right now and they give you a piece of advice. What would they say? Well, um, okay. Um, you can't ever get time back, I think, would mm. be the advice. I think I'd hope I'd tell myself. Um, so, yeah, make the, make the most of it. Don't, yeah. It's, that'd, be, that'd be the piece of advice I'd hope I'm listening to right now. Yeah. Yeah. Resonates one day, one life. Here, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the, the guys listening in and anything else that you think they'd love, you, you should tell them or any advice, guidance, places to find um, you? Yeah, mate, no, all good. Um, happy as. Thanks for the conversation. Hopefully it's uh, it's gone down well. So cheers, mate. Karen, it was absolutely amazing, right? I mean, I had to hold myself back. I've got so many more questions that. I want to ask like deep deep diving into the principles behind the Crusaders, you know, and what you've achieved to cut, you know. So there's so many more. And I'm, I'm yeah, we look, I've not we'll talk again, Karen, anyway, man. And look, just want to say, you know, you're an exceptional person. You're you know, you've done exceptional things and are doing exceptional things. I think you're um you know, I've I've not out the future's bright. Um congratulations on all you've achieved. I think your humility, your compassion, your your ferocity as well at the same time. Your character, your willingness to challenge, be challenged, embrace adversity, learn, grow, and to do that in a selfless way is something that I think we're all striving for. So I just want to acknowledge that. And um, it's been amazing chatting with you, look. So looking forward to, um, yeah, keeping, keeping going again, man. So thanks, Karen. Yeah. Cheers, Stephen. Thanks, man. There we are, guys. Another episode of the podcast. And thank you for listening. Thank you for, thank you for being on the journey. You know, and just, just super grateful for the people that are listening in and it means the world i hope you are getting value from it i mean even just listening back to the episode myself and you know what what karen would have shared how he would have shared it his calm balanced approach to, to life it's just something that um that really resonated with me and so yeah guys so look you know feel free to share this with people that you feel would, would benefit from it but ultimately you know you know if i was to just um, put it back on you and just say look listening to this podcast what's the one thing you're going to change in your life a one one action you're going to take um you know so that's it guys look feel free to leave any comments and leave a review you know whatever it is you need to do and in any case it's at that time of year right so have a good christmas and happy new year and i've got a lot of good stuff coming up uh you know for us to to digest one of the things i'm going to be sharing with you is a conversation i had with jared leonhard who is an expert in the future right and the future being 2024 it's going to drop just before we get into 2024 with a lot of rich stuff in there so looking forward to that one guys and look have a good one see you later see you on the other side happy christmas happy new year Stephen and living team over and out